Hello and welcome to the IDK My BFF Jill podcast. I'm your host Jill and I don't know Jack, but not for real. I'm here to learn more about life by being curious about others and being vulnerable about myself. I'm talking to people from all walks of my life because despite the world being big, we all know it's also very small and you never know when that gem will be dropped that will allow you to grow. So let's go. Hi, everyone. Welcome or welcome back to the IDK, my BFF Jill podcast, where we're talking about growth and learning and curiosity. I am very excited today to welcome Greer Cooper. Hi, Greer. Hi, Jillian. So good Um, to be here. I'm so happy that you agreed to do this podcast interview, and we're going to talk about peace and power and the most joyful self uh, that's possible for each of us uh, through your coaching services and your experience. But um, I wanted to um, start off by saying that, um, sorry, again, jet lag, jet lag. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Maybe you can introduce you, a brief introduction of yourself uh, would be a good place to start. Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Greer Cooper. I am a meditation and mindfulness expert. It's something that's been a lifelong passion for me um, that I've been teaching and practicing and studying for more than 30 years now. And yeah, just excited about upcoming offerings, the Peaceful and Powerful uh, Wisdom Program will be launching this fall. So happy to share about that. And yeah, I'm a mom and a passionate dancer, yogini, hiker, traveler, and lover of chocolate. Oh, love it. Dark chocolate, milk chocolate, all chocolate. I like all chocolate. I guess I used to be a milk chocolate fit (laughs) fan, but now dark chocolate seems to be more, more my, my, my gig. Yeah. I hear you. There's so many health benefits to dark chocolate. Exactly. Yeah, and less sugar for that matter. <laughs> there you go. Um, I want to back up a little bit and talk about uh, briefly how we met, which was actually through wedding and events industry. Um, sure. Talk about where you were, where we both were, and how we both kind of made this transition and this jump into more of a coaching consulting sphere, which is one of the reasons why I was excited to talk to you today. So we met, I you know, probably through a networking event or did we do a wedding together? I can't even remember anymore. It's been so long, but you were a wedding photographer for a long time. Tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about how you got into that industry and if you're still doing it at all anymore. Sure. Well, uh, just as meditation and mindfulness have been a lifelong pursuit, so has photography. I would always had a camera since I was a little girl and loved getting photos back from the lab. It was always exciting. And when I found a way after I'd graduated college where I could actually make beautiful photos and capture the most important day of of people's lives, that was kind of like putting everything together in a really wonderful package. So I have always enjoyed meeting and photographing people and wedding photography obviously gave me the opportunity to just travel all over see some just beautiful beautiful events and of course meet incredible people like yourself awesome and are you still doing wedding photography now 
I am not. I transitioned during what we can call them the COVID years. Yes. Guess, um, for a lot of different reasons. But at the time, my dad was quite ill and we sold our home in California and moved to the East Coast to be with him as he transitioned. And so it was kind of a natural transition time and time to look at doing other things. Yeah, I hear that. I also did. A, so you're not in California anymore either. No. Me either. I'm in Seattle now. <laughs> wow. Okay. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Isn't it funny how the physical move is mm -hmm. a wonderful, not always wonderful reason, but, you know, a catalyst for change in lots of different ways. Yeah. Um, so I experienced something, something similar as well. Were you as uh, burnt out as I was with the wedding and events industry? <laughs> Yes. I mean, I, I think you and I had the same level of exhaustion and pressure because you being a wedding planner and me being mm -hmm. a photographer, sometimes I was sort of the de facto wedding planner because not everybody has one. And you're with your couple the entire day. You're the last first person in, last person out. You know, it's hard to get time to like get to the restroom when you need to, to eat, just to like function as a normal human being. Um, and you're on your feet all day. And so it's a very long day. And uh, yeah, and I think really, for me, it was more just the yearning at a heart and soul level to make a more lasting impact on people. I can totally relate to that. Thank you for saying that, because I always wanted to have a, uh, I always said to my couples, like, this isn't the end, like, you guys are amazing. I'm so happy I helped you start this journey, you know, but yes. if there's anything else I can do, or let's just hang out and be friends. But that wasn't often the case, because it is such weddings and events are such a specific moment in time. And I'm sure we you you said, you know, honored to kind of be there for that person in that that celebration. Um, but it was that was that once you handed your photos or once I clocked out at the end of the night, it was often just, you know, that mm -hmm. that was it. Um, but yeah, I think that you're right. The photographer and the planner, you're the hair and makeup is there first, but that's just a function of time and necessity. And right. then and then it's you and me arriving at the hotel. Right. Uh, and then we're there till the end of the night. It's true. So shout out to any wedding event photographers, planners. <laughs> we see you, we hear you, we feel your feet. We know yes. <laughs> how that yes. feels. Uh, but you said it was a yearning in your heart, in your mind yeah. to 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 make a more lasting um, impression or a change or effect on people. So you said you've mm -hmm. been practicing mindfulness and meditation for over 30 years. This is mm -hmm. something that I think in recent times, with thanks to podcasts and the internet, that people are becoming more and more aware of and more interested in. I think before it was something, at least from my perspective, it was something that was left to the monks that they did, right? That not everyday people did. So what was your introduction to mindfulness and, and meditation? Uh, for me, it was really more of a personal quest. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a formal introduction, but when I moved to California in my teens to dance with San Francisco Ballet, I found this sort of really cool bookstore in the neighborhood that had this huge, I don't know, I was just drawn to the occult section. You know, mm -hmm. it started off with like wanting to know things about astrology and tarot, but I had the deeper questions of like, who am I? Why am I here? Someone, you know, someone enlightened me. And so it was always this, this questioning and wanting to know really the full big picture in the largest sense. Mm -hmm. 
did that have you had that curiosity since you were a child or did it develop later on in life because for me I was never curious I'm I'm intentionally being curious now uh, uh -huh. mindful of it uh, and in that it was something that I felt like I was lacking but did that curiosity those big questions always kind of exist for you I think so I mean definitely growing up I felt a little like I didn't fit in the big picture I grew up in a very kind of conservative small town in Connecticut and I sort of watched the trajectory of people growing up and doing things in a very methodical way it was a very traditional culture and I thought you know but we're all individuals like there shouldn't it's not one size fits all you know like how do we figure all this stuff out for ourselves so I guess in that sense it was with me from a young age but maybe not really from like the time I was a kid right gotcha mm -hmm. so you came across this bookstore when you moved to San Francisco to to be a part of the ballet, which is amazing. Uh, I'm a former dancer myself, but not in the same official capacity. You found you started with astrology. You said, um, mm -hmm. "Can I ask what your sun rising and 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 moon are?" Because I'm also very much into astrology. Yes, Gemini. I have uh, Virgo rising, so I like things very orderly, and. Um, I have a Pisces moon, which means I cry at like phone commercials. Feelings. Lots of <laughs> <laughs> you've got a nice balance there though. You've got air, you've got earth, and you've uh -huh. got water uh -huh. uh, in your in your big three. Um yeah. I also have uh I'm a Gemini moon. Okay. Uh, so my emotions are flippy floppy. Uh I'm a cancer rising. So uh, I have a very motherly aspect towards other people. Like, all right, is everyone in the car? <laughs> everyone eat? Uh, but then I'm an Aries sign. So that's uh, fire and, and all that. But the organization definitely helps on your part when it came to weddings uh, and events, for sure. And I'm sure as a business owner, right? Uh, mm -hmm being organized so you were into astrology and then into tarot but I noticed you pronounce it as tarot mm -hmm. am I missing something here is that how I'm supposed to be pronouncing it I think it's kind of tomato tomato okay. so whatever feels right gotcha um and then meditation practice um how did that start where where can someone start with that well for me it started with taking courses oh okay um, yeah, so that started in my 20s, and I I actually took my first course at the Berkeley Psychic Institute. Nice. <laughs> and, you know, they, they taught us some really interesting things. It's, it's really cool to see what the brain can do, how we can use the brain to tap into information that you wouldn't even think we could access. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't make sense on a very physical like empirically um sensible way mm -hmm. so for instance one thing we learned was just to like tune into your spirit guides and I once used my spirit guide to help me find my car in the long-term airport parking at SFO because honestly I had zero idea where I had parked it and I was able to actually like ride the bus and know exactly when to get off the bus and turn left and walked and found my car. Wow. Like I didn't even have to look for it. So wow. things like that. 
So after those types of experiences, I wanted to go deeper. But since then, really, I've just continued to study and practice and learn to understand the mind and how it works and how we how we can create the lives that we yearn to have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yearning to have. I think uh, we are all yearning and longing for more. In, in different ways, right? Some For some people, it might be more money, more life, more time, more travel, but we're all looking for more. And I think that that's a sign of living and growth because mm-hmm. being content and just being satisfied with, you know, what you have um, isn't living personally to, yeah. to me. Um, you mentioned that you used your spirit guides to help you find your car. That is... So I'm such a methodical, analytical person. And I totally, I hear you. And when you're telling me this story, I'm like, how is that possible? That you can (laughs) use your spirit guides to help you find. But I guess, you know, to break, it's about trust and intuition. It's about trust and intuition. I would say even more so it's about asking yourself the right questions that Mm -hmm. will lead you towards your solution or lead you toward your answer. We all have access to infinite inner wisdom, but most people either don't realize that or know how to use it. Absolutely. Which is part of the reason why you've launched this new program and and this new business. So you've grown and changed from wedding and events and dancing. You've been through many uh, iterations in your life. And and now you're taking your meditation practice and this passion for, I guess, what it sounds like is helping people to ask those questions. Right. I need to, I need to book a session with you after this. <laughs> um, you know, your website says discover your most peaceful, powerful, and joyful self. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that is um how do I say this? It's a continual journey, right? It doesn't just it doesn't right. just happen. It's not like ah, oh, enlightened, the end. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we you- are continual works in progress and I like to think of our lives as masterpieces but we're always kind of fine-tuning things here and there and life is dynamic right Um, the one thing that we can always count on is change and that is life because life is ever expanding and changing and we can either ride that wave or be dragged along kicking and screaming so <laughs> you're speaking all my language, <laughs> my, my love. <laughs> I am really excited by change. Um, I know that people are really fearful of it, but mm-hmm. when it doesn't come from a place that's true to you, that's probably mm-hmm. where that fear uh, and anxiety can come from. So finding out what's true to you, one of the tools for that is, is meditation. You said that you are all about continuing and learning in your practice. Can you share with us what your maybe like daily meditation practice looks like? Do you do it in the morning and in the evening? What does that look like? Yeah, of course, I would love to share. For me, I have found that mornings are probably the most potent time to meditate for several different reasons. I mean, first of all, we're transitioning from a sleep state to a waking state. So our thought patterns, the the thoughts that we think over and over through each day have been sort of put to rest. And so it's a prime opportunity to sort of rewire ourselves. But I also feel that just kind of getting up when it's still peaceful and the world isn't 
hurrying around in you know circles all around me I love just having that gentle transition from sleep to waking and so it just feels very natural to kind of get up light a candle sit down close my eyes tune in mm-hmm. and it's it's a powerful way to really I guess build a relationship to yourself. And I, I mean that with like a, a big S, like yourself, your capital S, your your higher self, your inner world, your own way of thinking and feeling and being. And I think so few of us give ourselves the time to really cultivate that relationship with our inner world. And so instead what ends up happening is life kind of gets dictated to us. We have so many messages swirling around about who we should be, what we should be doing, what we should buy, and are our teeth white enough? You know, so (laughs) if we don't take the time to tune in, then we don't ever really get that solid, centered feeling of who we are and who we want to be. Mm-hmm. which is the which provides a direction for our everyday lives right and the decisions that we make mm-hmm. you said when you transition from sleeping to waking you light a candle sit down are you focused on breath are you a mantra do you have a mantra what does that practice look like I use a combination okay. um, I mean breath is is very important because it's been said in ancient yoga texts that breath is a bit of a mantra in and of itself but Mm. breath is it's kind of like our metronome of life if you're if you have any sort of musical background it's the thing that keeps the beat keeps the pace of of our living experience so and it's also a really wonderful tool to use for anchoring because Oftentimes, if people haven't meditated before, it can be really difficult to sit still for a little while and our minds tend to kind of spin out. But what's actually happening is that's what our mind is doing all the time, Mm -hmm. but we're just sitting and now we're aware of what our mind is doing. And so the breath is really like the first and foremost anchoring tool. So if you can even just sit still and close your eyes, you're halfway there. And if you can sit still and close your eyes, and just keep your focus on your breath and listen to the sound as it moves in and out of your body, that's working to hone your focus. And that right there is the simplest meditation you can do. It sounds so simple, but I it feels so difficult. I'm speaking from my own personal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, as someone whose mind is racing at a million miles a minute all the time, I have always thought that the goal of meditation was to not have any thoughts. Mm. But as I've listened to podcasts and, and and you know people like you who are just sharing their their experiences, what I have realized and and I'd love to hear your input on this is that mm. it's not necessarily stopping the thoughts, mm-hmm. like filtering them or acknowledging them. Uh, mm. The goal is not complete silence, right. Um, in here, but that's really hard to do. So would, yeah. <laughs> would you agree with that it's a kind of assessment of uh, of meditation as far as I've uh, explained? Absolutely. Well, yeah, I mean, our minds are active. That is the nature of the mind. That's what they do. But when we sit in meditation, we're building an awareness of 
what the mind is doing. And when you sit there and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm, wow, look at that thought, look at that thought, look at the other thought, then you realize, wait a minute, if I'm aware of my thoughts, that means I'm not my thoughts. And I think most people don't understand that because we're always sort of caught up in our heads. But if we have the ability to start to watch the thoughts, first of all, a couple of things happen. First of all, eventually over time and with consistent practice, the mind starts to settle and it won't spin out as much. I think a lot of people feel like they can't do it or they're not doing it right, mm -hmm. but just to be small and specific and scheduled and persistent and eventually you will be able to to get there and then to realize that as you build this awareness then you can carry that out into your daily life and see and notice more often what your mind is doing mm -hmm. and when you find it spinning out into places that are not helpful then you can bring it back you can close your eyes for a minute you can pause you can center you can you know, do just what you do in meditation and bring it back to the breath. Right. Uh, it's a lot of work to be mindful. At least that's how I, for me, how I feel as I'm obviously not uh, as well versed in, in the practice as you are, but it's something that was introduced to me a few years ago through my very first life coach when I was mm -hmm. having such a, so many anxiety attacks and things like that. The, the practice of mindfulness, which is noticing your thoughts, as you said. So I'm a visual thinker, listener, feeler. So I mm -hmm. don't have a personal narrative in my head all day long. Mm -hmm. um, I, which freaks people out. Mm -hmm. Um, but as you're describe, as I'm listening to you describing, you know, we are not our thoughts. What I saw in my head was mm -hmm. you lying in a field of grass and watching clouds go by. And That's so wild that you said that. I was going to say they're light clouds. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the, the thoughts are clouds passing by in front yeah. of they start here. They they go in front of you and they keep moving. Yes. And that's what I saw. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. I needed that reminder as well, that we are not our thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, and this is part of the reason why I talk to people out loud, because I don't talk to myself. So when I talk to people like you and you're sharing your perspective, which again, I'm so thankful for your, I'm getting a reminder of, of this. And I hope that people that are listening are, are, are getting a reminder as well. So you said you do a combination of breath work and mantra. So yeah. Are you doing your breathing and you're, you're repeating something at the same time? Is that usually mm -hmm. how it works? Mm -hmm. Part of it is with the in-breath. Part of it is with the out-breath. Uh -huh. uh -huh. I, um, I like to write. So for me, meditation is, off, is, is writing uh, mm -hmm. in a way. So that's like my written mantra. Um, if someone mm -hmm. is looking for a basic um, phrase, or a mantra that they can use to get started. Let's say I just want to try meditating for three minutes mm -hmm. and I want to breathe in and I want to breathe out. Is there a phrase or a mantra that you would like to share or recommend someone who's just getting started? Sure. Yeah. I would say the simplest, easiest mantra that I started with is mm -hmm. it's, it's said in a couple different ways in a couple different languages. So mm -hmm. you can either say, I am, which is our English translation, or you can say hum, so, which in Sanskrit or, or Hindi means I am as well. Yeah. So I think for most people listening to the podcast, they probably would speak English. So I am would be the easiest one. Mm -hmm. 
on the in as well as on the out yes okay interesting interesting I'm gonna have to try that later after this because I do need to settle myself because I've been traveling and I feel so discombobulated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'll be a good practice to to kind of just center myself. Do you have uh tell me a little bit about your meditation space or your like do you have a your, do you have a sacred space? What are some of the things that you surround yourself with in order to settle into this zone? Sure, yeah. Well. These days, it's pretty simple because we have moved quite a bit right. uh, in the last couple of years. We we spent some time living in Costa Rica and relocated now more permanently to Florida a few months yeah. ago. So I have a little travel, sort of my sacred images that I put on a little altar. I always have a candle. And sometimes it's just those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a couple little, um, like I have a rose quartz heart that I like to put there. Um, And usually it's pretty simple like that. I mean, I don't think you need much. And I like to say that we don't even need to devote an entire room to it. One of my favorite meditation spaces of all time was the corner of my daughter's bedroom when she was young. You know, she, she, like a lot of kids didn't want to be left alone in the dark to go to sleep so I'd say okay I'm just gonna go meditate in the corner while you sleep (laughs) oh I mean like double whammy she gets the comfort of you being in the room while she goes to sleep and you get some peace and quiet and and meditation space that's awesome I need to recommend that to some of my mom friends (laughs) yeah Yeah. and you're there but not there you know right right I just recently bought my first crystal. Uh, I was in a in a wonderful store here in West Seattle called Inner Alchemy, where one of my girlfriend actually does tarot readings regularly uh, on a weekly basis. And I didn't, I don't know much about them, but I think there's so much power in again mindfulness and meditation and just acknowledgement. Like the one that I got was focused. It said it had to do with um, professional clarity and. Mm and um prosperity and that was my goal for this year to make that transition from events to this project-based life consulting and Mm -hmm. just seeing it on my desk right now each time I look at it it's a little reminder right of that goal of mine and I think sometimes people think crystals and and tarot and astrology are like ooh, you know up in the clouds magical whatever stuff but something Mm -hmm. as simple as that is a regular practice of mindfulness that has nothing to do with um any kind you don't have to you don't have to think that it has anything to do with some magic or or anything like that um what are some ways that you continue your learning when it comes to meditation and crystals or whatever it is in in the spiritual realm for you? I think I'm one of those people that's a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. So I basically continue with classes Mm -hmm. and retreats and group events that I feel called to go to, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, those things that when you learn about them you get that inner like yes I totally want to do that Mm. so in recent years that's looked like my first week-long silent retreat for instance Mm. um I I mean I have daily practices that I do on my own every day of course and I don't know I I think that um there are so many different ways to learn it's really what you feel called to do 
-hmm. When you say that inner yes, you know, mm -hmm. when you, I'm curious, is that a mm -hmm. feeling for you in your body or is it a sound that you hear? How does that work for you? For me, it's a feeling, I would say. It's kind of somebody, as people have used the expression, it lights you up. Mm -hmm. you know, like you're lit up on the inside you just start like yeah I totally want to do that yeah it's the feeling it's that feeling mm -hmm. that is amazing I love asking people that because we're all so different and I love all the different perspectives uh one of my friends Michelle who was one of my inspirations for starting a podcast she says that she's clear audience so she mm -hmm. hears things oh, okay. uh, like she'll literally hear the yes uh, okay. spirit guides or whoever it might be for me I said it's a feeling and my feeling is in my gut so mm -hmm. not a light it's more of um um a, I don't want to say rock but like it's solid I just I feel a solid sense of yes and okay. I feel it in my gut so it's really interesting that you're you you are feeling and seeing light or you're feeling light mm -hmm. uh, which is super super cool um I I'm curious about whether you have, um, do your children, I don't know how many you have, but have, do your kids or child, do you have one or two or more? I have one. One. Okay. Does your child kind of, were they curious about your practices? Did you, pra did you pass them along to them? Um, I only ask because, you know, I grew up in a very Catholic household, which mm -hmm. culture, there's a clear process to this. And obviously that's what my mother taught me as far right. as spirituality. Mm -hmm. When my mother hears about, when she sees my tarot card, she freaks out. <laughs> you know, she's like, I don't want that devil stuff, right? In my house mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. my approach. So this just came to me right now because you mentioned you being in your daughter's room. How did you share your spirituality practice with her? Was it in, did you let her find it on her own? You know, I, or was that, sorry, I don't know. If yeah, I've talked about it with her, especially a lot when she was growing up, because it was just a part of my life, a daily part of my life. And I've brought her to certain events, you know, um, we've also explored yoga classes together, which she really enjoys. And as far as whether or not she's taken it on as her own, I would say not so much at this point, but she's 20. And I didn't ever want to force anything on her or have it feel like an obligation like you I also grew up in a Catholic household oh. and so <laughs> I knew <laughs> that approach didn't work with me and I didn't think it would really work with her either uh, I love that so I know we're kind of going all over the place but that's because we haven't talked in a long time and I'm really excited about this conversation so we can relate yeah. that aspect as well Absolutely. uh uh was there a turning point for you in when you were like, this is not working for me? Was it specific? Definitely. Definitely. It, it came really in my teens mm. and being female and part of the Catholic church. It, it, at a certain point, I was just thinking there's nothing here for me. Mm. There are no female role models. There are no women who are in the upper echelons of the religious hierarchy mm -hmm. and the way that women are portrayed in so many of the different gospels and things like that also didn't really sit well with me so <laughs> yeah I would I just felt done I 
love that. My mind is blown by that because I, I think I felt that for a long time, but I didn't have the words for it. Uh, mm. so I'm really, thank you for sharing that because it's helping to give me context for, for my journey on that path as well. I just, uh, I've, uh, you know, just always felt like a strong, uh, strong woman with a powerful voice and all those things. And you're absolutely right. There's no female leadership in the Catholic church because of the rules and regulations that they've put into place and mm. we learn by seeing, right. We feel connected to other people. And if we don't see examples of ourselves, how can we relate? How can we, how can we learn from that? So, wow. Okay. Mind blown for me personally right now, uh, because that's definitely something that I didn't think about, but definitely resonate mm -hmm. with as I've made my own uh, transition to more of a spiritual in spirituality in the, in the sense that you and I are talking about now, as opposed to the organized religion sense that we have grown up with. Um, it's been a little hard for me to have those conversations with my mom if if at all um did you have to have those conversations with your parents or did you kind of just like let it ride and do your own thing I did I don't know at that point in time I felt like I wanted to just let them know what I was thinking hmm. it didn't go well mm -hmm. <laughs> let's just say that but you know eventually they came around and even in later years, their own views and their own ways of practicing spirituality shifted. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, how would you, this is, again, sorry, my mind's going a million miles a minute and I don't talk to myself, so it all happens out loud. What <laughs> a way that you recommend, can you meditate together as a family? And, and if so, how can we possibly do that? You absolutely can. And like I mentioned before, if it's something that you all agree to and want to practice together, I think you need people's buy-in. Otherwise mm -hmm. it's not going to work. But if you have everybody's buy-in then to make it, like I said before, small, specific and scheduled. So maybe it's once a week to mm -hmm. start off, you know, for three minutes on Wednesday nights, <laughs> we're going mm -hmm. to do this. Mm -hmm. And you designate the space of where that happens um, and start from there and then it can build. I love that. You've mentioned, I wrote it down because it's, it's I, I love alliterations, number one, and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's really impactful. You've mentioned small, specific and scheduled several times now. Did you learn that from somewhere or is that something you kind of just figured out yourself? I did learn that from a number of classes that I've taken in the past mm -hmm. and I thought it was so helpful because I think what happens ordinarily is we get excited about something just like think about new year's resolutions right and we have these grandiose plans of where we're going with it and maybe we get a little over ambitious and we start in a way that's not sustainable over the long haul mm -hmm. and it's much better to just start with small and yeah. then let it go from there. I really love that. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, you go, I'm going to go to the gym every for five days a week <laughs> at the new year. And what happens? Uh -huh. <laughs> you, you're like, I'm done. Nothing. Also, I'm really sore. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. It doesn't work. Okay. I'm not going to go at all. Um, <laughs> being small, specific and scheduled, whether that's going to the gym, which could be a form of meditation for people as well. Yeah. I think uh, sitting down as a family, I'm just asking because as I think about, you know, 
church, I guess, in a way, every Sunday from 11 to 12 or whatever it was, was meditation for my mother. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not necessarily the same type of meditation that works for me, but uh, maybe a, a way to introduce it to my family the next time we are together is like, hey, what if we are, we're at home, we don't have to be at church. We're at home and we just sit down for a few minutes. Yeah, well, I mean, I think one universal theme that runs through all religions is the mm -hmm. idea that we are all a piece of God, like there's yes. a piece of God or spirit or source inside each of us mm -hmm. and whichever way you choose to honor that and remember mm -hmm. it and nurture it is a personal choice but maybe in that way if we can look at it in that way then we can be more open you know allow the different ways of um honoring spirituality and sacredness mm -hmm what more beautiful way than to do that in your home with the people you're closest to? I couldn't agree more. And I think that's also one of the reasons why, again, lots is coming up for me right now <laughs> that, <laughs> um, you know, we're at ch it, church was like a community thing, right? There's a lot of people here, but it was also very individual because we're praying to ourselves, right. um, but we never did it. We didn't do it as much at home uh, unless someone passed away. If someone passed away, and I don't know if this is necessarily a Catholic thing or a Filipino Catholic thing specifically, but you have to pay the pray the rosary for 90 days after right. they've passed away while they're like in purgatory. And that was really the only time that we ever prayed at home together mm. uh, outside of like saying grace before eating a meal. Mm. So um, again, I'm just thinking about my childhood and what I want to implement moving forward. Mm. If I were to have my own family and children and how I want to to add spirituality to to my everyday life um you have been doing it you've been practicing mindfulness and meditation for you said over 20 30 years now mm -hmm. um and now you're offering i've learned so much from you just in the last <laughs> few minutes about different ways that i can approach meditation and mindfulness so now you have transitioned out of uh, wedding photography and into this 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 business and this practice of sharing your knowledge with other people um mm -hmm how have you felt like what is where are you at in that process what stage are you at right now I know that you said there's a course coming this fall so tell me a little bit about you know when you decided to make this shift and how you facilitated it sure. well one of the things that shifted while I was still a working photographer was I started offering more individual portraits um, mostly with women <laughs> and it was a way to sort of celebrate maybe a milestone in their lives or just connecting with their own individual beauty and that's not always a comfortable place for anybody um and so I was starting to use a lot of these breathing breathwork meditation techniques to help people sort of get centered before their sessions wow and I really loved doing that and some people really had some very powerful um breakthroughs about just getting comfortable with themselves, maybe even releasing things that had been blocking them from allowing themselves to feel beautiful or, you know, just things that we carry with us from the past, often childhood wounding or things like that. And so these things were starting to happen during my sessions. So when I went through my own huge life transition, I realized, you know, this is really where I want to focus more of my energy because I want to be able to 
offer people a lasting impact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you were doing that. It was, again, because you're staying true to yourself and checking in with yourself, it seemed like such a natural, a door opened, a natural transition happened between your old world, your previous world of photography and your your present world now of of, of coaching and, and things like that. So how, what, um, are the ways that people can work and learn with you? You, you, I, you said that you have a course launching this fall. Are there also one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions? Tell me a little bit about your, your business and your practice. Yeah, sure. Um, at this point, I'm really focusing my energies on the fall launch mm -hmm. uh, because that's I've, it's been my experience that when we work together in a group, and I will be working with intimate groups, mm -hmm. the learning is so much richer and so much deeper. And we learn so much from working with others. Mm -hmm. And just like you and I are doing right now, having this conversation, it's it's a back and forth and you've got your perspective, I've got mine. And when we share it, then we both have like two times the understanding. Mm -hmm. So that's really the preference of how I want to work together with people because I want to be able to offer them that same rich experience. Got it. So is the course in the fall um self no it's a group meetings. Yes. For, how long is the program? It will be a year-long program. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And so we get two times a month we will meet live through okay. Zoom and then there are also um so uh, there will also be like a lesson that comes directly to them that they can do self-paced at home. Why do you, why a year? Because it takes a long time to really, not only to build new habits, but to support those new habits continuing to grow. Mm -hmm. um, I really thought about it for quite a while when I was putting the program together and initially I thought about making it shorter but then I just have had a lot of experience working with groups of people and seeing that it can be very difficult for people to stick with something for a while and oftentimes people need the support some people need the accountability mm -hmm. as well and in that way then it becomes something that they really and truly integrate for the long term. Right. And is the goal of the one year course, uh, I mean, what's, tell me the one liner, what's the goal of the one year of the one year course? The goal of the one year course is really to have the ability to tap into your deepest peace mm -hmm. anytime you need so that you feel calm and centered and resourced to deal with any circumstance, whether it's a family crisis, whether it's the irritating person at work or your overbearing landlord or mm -hmm. anything else that you can stay in that deepest peace no matter what's going on in your life my gosh and with that comes your deepest power and your deepest joy as well when do you feel the most powerful <laughs> when I'm in that place honestly yeah. I mean when I know that I am really in alignment with the highest version of myself when I'm connected to my heart when I'm living from that place mm -hmm. when I'm calm mm -hmm. and I'm making good choices I've struggled with feeling that and then and then losing it and mm. feeling it and losing it I um, felt it the most during COVID I think um, yeah. because we had all that time right to ourselves 
uh, I started I started painting in that time and I had I had never felt more feminine and divine and powerful than when I was painting for six to eight hours a day and wow. just letting whatever it was in here and my 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 head and in my heart out on to a canvas but then mm-hmm. the COVID times are quote over and we're back to you know busy American capitalist life. And it's really hard to stay connected with your divine self. Um, For someone who maybe isn't ready to, you know, or who is hesitant to commit to like a year course or something like that, what tips do you have for staying connected with your divine highest self? I would say probably a couple different things. I mean, the first you've already touched on is really just continuing to build your awareness mm-hmm. of where you're at, how you're feeling, what's working, what's not working, um, and cultivating your inner relationship with your yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't know who we are and what makes us tick and what lights us up and what makes our heart sing, then how do we know where to go from here? Mm-hmm. How do we know if we're even on track? Mm-hmm. So I would say that's part one. Um, Part two really is paying attention to what sort of outside influences we allow in, because there's a lot of noise in the world. There's a lot of noise. And we're told all different things about, particularly as women, just what we should wear, what we should look like, sex sells, you know, all these other things. And so I think if we can really pay attention to just like we, we put nourishing food in our body, how are we nourishing our minds? Mm-hmm. And there are so many things that it's either the shiny new object syndrome or the million ways that we communicate things coming at us all the time. Mm-hmm. And we have to have a way to kind of have a boundary of what's enough and what's too much because yeah. If we don't do that, then we're overstimulated and then it's really hard to stay on center, mm-hmm. I guess. Absolutely. And, I, and then the third thing I would say is just to have some sort of a regular practice where you can sit and be quiet <laughs> and cultivate that inner relationship. I love that. I think those are three clear and um easy well maybe not easy but clear uh easy steps for someone to check in with themselves regularly um i really appreciate that and i what you what you said about nourishing your mind just like you do your body really stood out for me that's one of the reasons why i'm so thankful that you're you're you're, you agreed to to talk to me today because i think what we listen to is a, a a food for our minds, and I I became very intentional about the types of podcasts that I was listening to. I wanted to grow and learn, and so that's the the kind of podcast that I've been focusing on. They're not so much the murder mystery, uh, you know, situation anymore. I wanted to move away from that a little bit so that I could have positive thoughts in my in my head uh, a little more than the than the murder mystery podcast um nourishing your mind requires again a lot of for me it feels like a lot of work um but that's like you said only because there are so many distractions and there are so many things that are going on that we really need to center and remind ourselves that this is a priority um and if you make it a priority you'll reap all the benefits um but you have to make the time and you have to be intentional about 
the space and the people and what you're listening to. So what's really interesting for me is that um, when I paint, I actually paint to one song on repeat mm. um, because I, because it's, it's, we're absorbing all of that information. Um, oh. And when I, when someone buys one of my paintings, I happen, I tell them the one song that I was painting to. Oh, cool. That's a fun, it's a little secret between me and the, the person who has purchased my art, but music has such an effect on me personally um as far as what I'm using to nourish my mind so I've also made an intention lately to like listen to more peaceful music um mm -hmm. are there any resources that you can share um let's see maybe uh, a book or a Spotify playlist or something uh mm -hmm. that someone can use as a starting point to being a little bit more mindful and aware and, and intentional well, I can say um, there are a couple of resources available on my website for people. So I have uh, a meditation, a very basic meditation that you can download. Um, I also have a guide on there called the um, Serenity Guide, and it gives you a few different tools to reset your mind to calm within a few minutes. Mm -hmm. So I would say those are a great place to start. Um I'm also starting to offer some other meditations on Insight Timer. I don't know if that's a resource you know of, but I don't. Um, yeah, it's an app and mm -hmm. there are all sorts of guided meditations, talks, classes, et cetera, things like that um, available on there. I would say that's a really good resource as well. Um, those are the few that come to me off the top of my head. So Insight Timer is an app and then your website, which is, I will link, of course, in the show notes, greercooper.com. The course that you have launching this fall, um, how many people are you accepting for that? Are there applications? Okay, um, yeah, so I'm going to be capping it at 15 people. Okay. Yeah. So, and then see how that round goes. And if we need to open a second circle, we can always do that as well. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, but I will be actually offering an upcoming webinar that's sort of like an intro, and that will be on August 24th, Yay. and be another one on September 9th, so you'll kind of get a few pieces of what the circle will kind of teach throughout the year, but the, those will be three important keys to reclaiming your calm. Oh my gosh. So these webinars, you said August, uh, mm -hmm. Are those free or do we need to register? How do we how do we have to do that? Yeah, um, I'm actually offering those through Eventbrite and I okay. can share information with yes, you. Or they're um, they're low cost. They're $15. Great. Yeah. I love that. Yes. I, one of the things, um, in regards to insight or mindfulness, I think also respecting ourselves and our value. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I respect that that's a low, low cost, low barrier to entry. $15 is something that I think that if you're intentional and, and, and make it a priority, you can make mm -hmm. the, the budget and the time for that. So I'm glad that, um, you're offering that. Um, and then the course in the fall, is there an application process for that? Yes, I will be offering people time to book a discovery call and we okay. can talk about, you know, answer all their questions, see if oh. we're a good fit and all of that. Got yeah. it. I think that the discovery call is, is really important. I do that as well in my, in my consulting practice, because mm -hmm. there are so many people, um, in the world. And I, I truly believe that the right people will come to you, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's, but you know, especially for me, I'm more experienced, obviously in the wedding planning and event planning sphere, but 
you know, there's so many, there's so many photographers, there's so many wedding planners, and, and it can be scary to think about the competition that's out there. But if you trust and believe that the right people will come to you, as long as you're being your most genuine, authentic self, then you will see, you will feel and see success. I think that's what I experienced. I always told my wedding planning clients, I was like, listen, uh, if you want fluff and flowers, it's not, it's not me. <laughs> Once, if you want someone who's going to put the fire out when it eventually, when it, when it, when it happens, right who's right. going to make sure that your mother doesn't bother you so you can enjoy your day, then it's, <laughs> you know, right. and um, there were definitely some people who, you know, didn't hire me, of course. And and when I saw their post on Instagram later, it was beautiful flowers. And I was like, good, good for you, you right. know? And yeah. the people who did work with me were like, oh my God, you, you kept my mother away just long enough. Thank you so much. And <laughs> Um, I think the right people will find you. And I, and I know that through just talking with you right now for 45 minutes or an hour, I've learned so much already. I cannot wait. I'm definitely going to register for this Eventbrite webinar and in August, um, because I think you're doing a wonderful thing with sharing your natural skills and talent and passion with people in this way. It does not come easily to me, which is why I'm talking to you. I have to work so hard to stop for five minutes, um, to just breathe. So how, how many times in a day do I, and I'm sure many other people who are, are listening are like, Oh my God, I haven't taken a deep breath in a while. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and let me tell you something that's kind of scary. I sleep with my hand in a fist. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's how uh, naturally ready to charge ahead, <laughs> ready to charge in my sleep. Um, and I have, <laughs> I have to work really hard to turn that off. Um, mm -hmm. But what I realized and I think your meditation courses can really help with is, is just being aware of it is the first step, like you said, but um, I don't have to turn it off completely. I just right. need to know when to use it and have a better control over. Right. And I do. I don't exactly. fight exactly. anyone in my sleep. As you, as you build your awareness, then you can sort of cultivate a relationship with your mind understand mm. what its tendencies are and then sort of redirect it gently anytime it's wandering off into like dark alleys <laughs> you know <laughs> most of my dreams are me fighting people in dark alleys ah okay yeah, that's uh that's it's like uh, dark there was a tv show with jessica alba called dark angel where she's in like post-apocalyptic seattle like situation and a lot of my dreams are me in that in that mm -hmm. world I love how you said gently redirect. I need the same level of peace and calm that you have. There's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing gentle about me, unfortunately. <laughs> and I guess it's really hard for me to do that because I don't talk to myself. Mm. Right? So for me to be like, okay, Jillian, let's redirect. Mm -hmm. is so weird. Like <laughs> I have to say it out loud in that way. Have mm. you met people who are similar? Who talk to themselves? Who don't talk, talk out loud? Yeah. Um, I talk to myself out loud all the time. Yeah, good. Okay. Well, not all the time. I mean, yeah, not yeah. like at the grocery stores where yes. people are looking at me strangely, but yeah, sure. Sure, <laughs> of course. So I'm sure that you can help anyone and everyone with their mindfulness and their meditation practice. And well, and I mean, anybody can do it. It's just mm -hmm. a matter of, of, making a choice yeah and deciding Oof. this is what I'm doing that's what I'm doing right? making a choice deciding 
that's it. I'm going to be mindful. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to take small, specific, scheduled steps. I wrote it down on my list. Awesome. Here. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> oh my gosh. Greer, thank you so much for sharing your experience and insight. Again, I've said it five times. I'm going to say it again. I've learned so much from you in this short time. I'm going to link in the show notes, your website, where people can learn more about you and your offerings, your course, your webinar that's coming up. Uh, and I'm lo really looking forward to, to hearing more about how successful because it will be your fall course is going to be oh also i just want to say i really love your newsletter oh, the you. emails that you're sending out so also uh people if you're listening if you're not really maybe ready to jump on a one-year course you can sign up for greer's newsletter where she shares really wonderful just like thoughts uh books that you've been reading um i love learning from you in that way as well so um subscribe to greer's newsletter thank you so much for your time today of course this has I'm been gonna... so fun i love how multi-layered our topic our, our talk got and uh <laughs> love that we got to explore our, our roots and where we are now yes that's what and that's the growth that has happened in between mm -hmm. right exactly. exactly thank you so much enjoy the rest of your day i'm gonna go meditate now Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned at least one new thing, an idea, a perspective, whatever it may be. Something that made you stop for a quick second, maybe in your mind or your soul or your heart. I would love it if you left a five-star review for the podcast. And if you're interested in more tips on change, thought exercises around growth, and the occasional office meme, I invite you to subscribe to my semi-monthly newsletter called Hashtag Stay Curious using the link in my show notes. Thank you so much. Until next time. Ciao.